I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm here in my closet recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. How's your isolation treating you this week? Oh, you know, I feel like I've just uh, given up. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm here. I don't know. I've been doing FaceTime workout sessions with my trainer just to like rolling out a yoga mat in the one space that I have to put a yoga mat and um, jumping around. Heck yeah. But that means I have about a 30 minute window of high energy uh, in the day and it's a ticking clock. (laughs) It is, we have a limited amount of time for me to be uh, productive in any way and this is it. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, Last night I did have a dream where somehow like the voice of God in my dream was telling everyone like, no, 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 no. Even in your dream, people need to stand six feet apart. And that was very (laughs) stressful and not a great sign. You can't even fantasize about being close to people. Absolutely not. Well, we're both doing great. We're still here. (laughs) And we have gotten very nice messages from people saying how grateful they are that we've been um, keeping at it. It's hard to express how much that means uh, when I get those types of DMs. It really means a lot. It makes me so happy and I'm so glad that everyone's loving it and that we can bring some sense of normalcy in these crazy times. Truly, I love it. All right, well, let's get into our episode today. We're going to kick things off, as always, with Worst Things First, where I shout about uh, the most fun worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into cooking, because suddenly I'm supposed to be a fucking Bon Appetit certified chef over here, but I barely knew how to make oatmeal before this, so you're asking a lot of me. But we're also talking about cooking because of our incredible guest complainer. We've got Allison Roman on the pod. Allison is a cook, writer, author of the best-selling cookbooks, Dining In and Nothing Fancy. Uh, we talk to each other from our respective quarantines, and hopefully you enjoy listening from yours. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's grab our cast iron skillets and start the show. All right, worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First, this one came from uh, a listener of a nice festive story, uh, considering that, well, this past weekend, which I will have celebrated alone, (laughs) a woman in Flagler County, Florida, only in Florida, was arrested on 11 counts of distributing obscene material after allegedly putting pornographic images and Easter eggs driving around town and placing them in people's mailboxes. Shiro, <laughs> Shiro, 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 Shiro. 
Listen, I wish the Easter Bunny would bring me porn. She's just doing what what the Easter Bunny didn't have the audacity to do. The bravery. She's truly doing God's work. Yeah, <laughs> this is what Jesus wanted for Easter. <laughs> okay. He's like one loincloth slip away from being fully nude. So like, what's the big deal? Yeah. Are we sure it was actually porn and not just an image of Jesus? Because he looks sexy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, definitely going to hell. <laughs> we will not make it through this. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the eggs also contained non-threatening references to local churches and county buildings. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> A non-threatening reference? Does that just mean like... A reference? A reference? <laughs> I love it. Um, it said one homeowner found a fish cracker, a sheet of toilet paper powdered drink mix, and a crumpled up piece of paper containing pornographic images, according to the sheriff's office. These people should be grateful for receiving a homemade survival kit that otherwise they'd have to pay hundreds of dollars for on the interwebs. Yeah, you're getting toilet paper, you're getting a cracker, you're getting a powdered drink mix, you're getting porn. These are the quarantine essentials that she is <laughs> distributing. And how dare you arrest and charge her for this. She should be the mayor. She should be the mayor. I don't think they, I mean, Florida, Florida is a fucking mess right now. Um, and along with Florida in non-quarantine times, but she should be the mayor. The woman, they managed to track her down. The sheriff's office said, our team did a great job in tracking down this deranged offender. Okay. okay. Editorializing. Uh, thankfully, she did not appear to be sick. With uh, COVID symptoms, uh, but she certainly needs help. It was their quote. Chill. I feel like you need to chill. <laughs> this woman is fine. <laughs> I mean, probably not. But I feel like she's she's she deserves our respect. According to the sheriff's office, she said that she did it to educate people. And um, they did find <laughs> a, a bag of pornographic material in her car. <laughs> There really is nothing less sexy than the, the full-term pornographic. <laughs> <laughs> it's too clinical. I don't know what to say instead, but it's far too clinical. It's like saying penis. Ugh. Ugh. <sighs> Just call it a, a, a Vienna sausage, like an adult. Next, a 34-year-old woman was arrested in the theft of $700 worth of crab legs from Damn. a Southern Michigan store. I don't, my family loves crab legs. I just don't get it. I'm not, I, I just like, who am I? <laughs> Why are you eating a fucking sea spider? Put it back. Yeah, so two women were um, at the store on Saturday. Apparently they placed a whole bunch of crab legs in a cart and then put one of their children on top of it to hide nice. it while while they walked out. <laughs> yes. Use your use your child as a human shield. <laughs> <laughs> My mom used to do that where um what? Uh, I when I was a kid and I could still fit in a shopping cart, uh, I would climb into the cart and she would just pile everything on top of me. In that case, I was the crab legs. <laughs> I used to think it was fun when we would have a shopping cart that was literally like overflowing with food. And we have done that since when I was home for Thanksgiving, I went to the grocery store with my mom and it was honestly embarrassing. <laughs> it's like, this is way too much shit. 
this should be multiple trips. I mean, I've just gotten so accustomed to buying food in New York where it's like you only buy what you're able to carry in two hands. Also, for just like buying groceries for one or two people and not for like an entire family. But yeah, everybody is staring at how much food we had in our cart and how it was overflowing. And it was like, it was a lot. Even for a Thanksgiving shopping, it was a lot. So um, anyway. I think the closest I've come close to this is that my mom used to let me like open up a box of crackers while we were going around the store. And I would like eat goldfish while in the cart. And I was like, I'm such a rebel, even though my mom would fully pay for it at the end. Yeah, it still always feels wrong. Right? To do that. I'm like, no, no, no. This is illegal. <laughs> you have to pay for it first. But now it's like, fuck capitalism. Nothing matters. Steal whatever you want. My favorite part of this story. Okay, so this woman walked out. Um, apparently her child shield worked. And she walked out with it. And then they realized that all of the, these crab legs were missing. And so um, these police officers went to her house to try to like stake her out. And while they were waiting, another woman showed up and was like, hi, I'm here to buy crab legs. <laughs> uh, which is A, insane. It makes it sound like she showed up and asked the cops for crab legs. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, I, I just love that they were clearly like running a crab leg ring out of their house and in, in selling them. And um, yeah, I guess... Who knew in, in southern Michigan, people will fucking love crab legs, that they'll break quarantine to go buy them from a stranger's house. Love to see it. Uh, and finally, I guess this is not the worst news. It depends on how you look at it, okay? Um, Zach Efron says he never wants to be Baywatch ripped ever again. What? Saying, quote, it's just stupid. <laughs> Honestly, I agree. I feel like Zac Efron got too ripped and it was scary. Not to body shame anybody, but Zac Efron, I'm body shaming you. Oh, no. <laughs> this was the the spicy connection. He was on um, Hot, Hot Ones, which is the, the show where celebs go on. Um, with this dude, uh, Sean Evans, the host, and eat uh, increasingly spicy hot wings and then talk about themselves. It's a fun show. I, re I remember when I went to VidCon, because I'm an internet celebrity, uh, <laughs> they would have these like SUVs that would shuttle everybody between the hotel and the convention center. And I was in a car with the host of Hot Wings, and I didn't realize who he was. And I was seconds away from being like, we've definitely met. How do I know you? <laughs> like the number one thing that you're not supposed to do, especially at an event like that, where it's like, no, you obviously only know any one of these people because you've seen them on the Internet. Yeah. But I was like, he looks so familiar. And I'm definitely <laughs> about to ask him. And I thankfully, I stopped myself before I did it. And then he got out of the car and someone was like, that was the Hot Wings guy. Anyway, uh, Zach Efron was on Hot Ones and he was he started talking. He was like, that was an important time to do Baywatch because I realized when I was done, I never want to be in that good of shape ever again. Because it's super hard. Uh, and yeah, you get obsessed about having a six pack instead of a four pack. And it's like, OK, chill out, Zach Efron. You're still super hot. Uh 
nobody expects you to be that incredibly Hulk ripped. I also just want to take this time uh, for a quick PSA, which is to remind listeners that they should, in fact, be using quarantine to get very intoxicated and watch We Are Your Friends featuring (laughs) Zac Efron as an EDM DJ. Thank you very much. Yeah. Like Baywatch is not even Zac Efron's best work. No. It is We Are Your Friends, famously and forever. Anyway, that's it for this week's First Things First. Next, we're diving deep into quarantine cooking. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. All right. Well, most of us have been stuck inside indefinitely with nothing but our terrifying thoughts and horniness to keep us company. And to make it all worse, we haven't had the luxury of restaurants to ease the endless suffering, forcing the hapless amongst us to turn on our ovens and stoves for the very first time and take a bunch of raw stuff and mix it together and turn it into stuff that you can eat without dying. Needless to say, it's been a a trying time for me. Uh, Someone who has proudly ordered takeout for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in a single day on a regular basis... And let's be completely clear, I'm still ordering takeout. I still want to support my local businesses. Uh, But also, it's like such an ordeal now to order delivery because I have to perform this entire decontamination and plating ritual every time I get my delivery. And it's like, the whole point of takeout is to get food into my stomach as quickly as possible. And now it's ruined. (laughs) The point is, we're making sacrifices, we're making changes, and on theme with today's guest, we're trying to cook more, and it's not been going well. Have you been cooking? Oh, I've been cooking a lot. We are doing a couple of takeout meals, like one or two a week, but uh, but yeah, I've been all about roasting a chicken at the beginning of the week and then using the bones to make broth. Mm. Getting real domestic up in here. Yeah. I've been cooking a, a little bit. I'm still ordering. I usually order takeout for for dinner, but I'm trying to I'm trying to cook more. I use my crock pot. Nice, love a crock pot. Uh, listeners of Unhappy Hour will remember that earlier in the year, uh, which was approximately 17 years ago, I was home for like two weeks and not really working because it was like kind of a vacation, and I was starting to cook and like actually enjoying it. And I feel like if I didn't have that, I'd be fucked right now. But I'm at a point where I actually enjoy the cooking. But that also means that I've learned a lot of things to not enjoy about it as well. So I'm excited to get into this deep dive. Yeah, well, let's get into it. This is why cooking is the worst. First, and I just want to bitch about this one uh, for a long while, right away. The amount of dishes that I've been doing in quarantine is ceaseless. Every time I look into the sink, I'm like, who the fuck did this? I guess I guess I'm the only one around here who cares enough about this family to actually do the dishes. And then I have to look into my bloodshot eyes in the mirror and tear off my shirt in shreds and then stand at the sink for 45 minutes cleaning dried ragu off the three plates I've been rotating between just to feel something. Seriously, though, the amount of cleaning you have to do after cooking is simply unacceptable. 
I'm like 36 hours away from just dumping all of my food in a bowl and eating it like a horse just to save myself the time. I will say Alex and I mostly eat in bowls. Yeah, I, I think I'm getting more on board with that. I um I plated up some food last night. My takeout routine is that my my building now makes everybody go downstairs for deliveries. So um I know this is a very like one percent privilege thing to be like, oh, they make me go fetch my the food that is prepared by someone else. Uh, but I have to go downstairs to get my delivery and then bring it up. I set it in like a decontamination area and I have to like plate it all, uh, wash my hands uh, every step of the way. And then sometimes I'll like microwave it for 30 seconds just in case. Oh, wow. But a bowl makes it so much easier to just kind of dump it from the container it comes in into a bowl. Yeah. So I can I can nuke it. Uh, let's see. Next. I don't trust myself with a knife. You really you really want me to take the chance of chopping off my thumb during a pandemic when the hospitals are overwhelmed? You know how long a human finger can stay viable on ice? Well, I, I don't. <laughs> Probably not that long. That's also why I've been very nervous about practicing my, my splits during quarantine <laughs> is because I'm very worried about ripping my taint open and then having to go to the emergency room. Yeah. No, the knife thing, I'm afraid of knives normally, but like it's absurd how now every single time I go to chop an onion, all I can think about is accidentally chopping the tip of my finger off. Also peeling things and then grating things. I did grate myself a little bit when I was making uh, kugel, when I, Allison Roman's kugel recipe to be exact. But yeah, it's just like it's all I can think of, which then I think will actually make it happen. Yeah. It's scary. Using a knife is scary as fuck. There's all these like proper ways that you're supposed to hold it, but that nobody has ever taught me. And you're supposed to fucking sharpen it. Like it's, I'm some kind of like blacksmith standing <laughs> over a kiln with that, with that hammer thing. And the other thing that's like all orange because it's so hot. Uh huh. That's why I need like chain mail gloves that they wear to protect their hands whenever I, I chop an onion. Ooh, this could be like a cool new trend. Wearing finger protecting gloves every time you cut even the most basic of things. Yeah. I do know I've I've watched videos where you're supposed to basically grip something with your knuckles, right? And kind of like tuck your fingertips towards your palm. I'm sorry, what? Uh, and then grip the onion or whatever, yeah, using your first knuckle. Oh. Yeah, that makes more sense. Look it up. <laughs> I'm assuming nobody is getting actual cooking advice from, from this segment. Allison mm -mm. might have some advice, but not me. The number of spices? Far too much. Listen, contrary to my white as fuck upbringing, I do love spices. I, I love uh, I love to bring some, some flavor, some excitement, some sexiness to everything. Uh, but it's like, sweetie, that's enough. There's too many of you. Enough is enough. I don't like having to have an entire spice rack that is is treacherous to navigate through. Um, oh, my God. When we moved, we pared down our spices from, like, honestly, probably 50 to 30. And now I'm going through this whole thing where uh, I'm putting all my spices into magnetic spice jars to put on the side of my fridge so because I need more space in my kitchen. And, I like, even that, I'm like, fuck, I still have... 30 spices what do I even use these for also spices 
it's not that they expire, but they lose flavor after a certain amount of time. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with this entire jar that I got like six years ago? Yeah, I really didn't realize that spices expired until until recently. You have to go through so much. The only spice that I really regularly go through is cinnamon because I love cinnamon. Every time I finish a thing of spice, I'm like, look at me. We did it. (laughs) It's like spices and Q-tips. Sure. The passage of time is determined by spice jars being empty and Q-tip, like those like packs of 500 something emptying out. Next. Things need to stop smoking. It's like chill. I put a single piece of chicken on some volcano hot pan for like two seconds and bam, suddenly my my smoke alarm is getting the work out of its fucking life. (laughs) The only thing that should be smoking in the kitchen is me. Bam. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. Next, there is just so much preparation that has to go into cooking. It's not just chopping, but like, oh, I have to find a recipe. I have to chop all the shit. I have to like get all all the dishes ready. And it's like, I'm hungry right now. I don't have the foresight to plan meals ahead of time. I'm hungry. I want it inside of me immediately. There's just too much waiting in cooking. Oh, oh, let it rest overnight? No. Uh, Marinate it? Absolutely not. Let it cool? I'd rather die. Can we also go back to chopping for a second? And just one of my greatest beefs with recipes is the quote-unquote active time seems to never take into account chopping, or it's like only the chopping of people who have gone to culinary school and can chop an onion in under two seconds. Whereas for me, like chopping all the things that I need to chop will take, I don't know, approximately 15 to 20 fucking minutes. So the active time, I always have to add a half hour to any recipe. I I just assume to double the amount of time that it says, that's how long that it will take me, an idiot. Absolutely. To make it. Also, I don't want to handle raw stuff. Raw meat Mm-mm. is gross as fuck. I don't care how easy Miss Martha Stewart makes it look. I'm not touching a raw chicken. We're not getting salmonella today. Not in this house. Even though salmonella is a very confusing name because it sounds like the flavor of a delicious gelato. I would definitely eat that. Uh, yes, I'll have the, the salmonella. There's also just too many different words and terms in cooking, and, and I don't know the difference between all of them. Fucking mincing, dicing, chopping, ju- julienning. Who the fuck is julian? Also roasting, sauteing, frying. There's too many options. Olive oil versus virgin olive oil versus extra virgin olive oil. Come the fuck on there's too much it's far too much and finally worst of all you have to take out so much garbage like constantly even though i also have a garbage disposal that i try to use but that terrifies me because it's it's just spinning knives it's a fucking blender at the bottom of my sink Cooking just involves throwing away so much stuff uh, and everything is like wet and uh, your garbage bag starts to drip. And I don't want to think about any of these words individually or together. Cooking is absolutely the worst. Uh, It's very difficult. But listen, we're trying. We're trying to be better people. Uh, So we'll keep at it. I'll keep making my egg scramble and oatmeal's. And who knows, who knows where I'll be a year from now. 
Maybe I'll be the best fucking chef there is. Anyway, that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got Allison Roman in the studio right after this commercial break. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest who celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now, I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully, no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. My guest complainer today is writer, uh, chef, internet personality, all of the above, <laughs> Allison Roman. Uh, she's written for the New York Times, Bon Appetit, uh, and BuzzFeed, where we worked together many, many years ago now. Uh, and she has two books out, cookbooks, Dining In and Nothing Fancy. Welcome, Allison. Oh, hello. Happy to be here. <laughs> you are uh, the first interview that we're officially conducting, like, mid, mid-pandemic. mid Yeah, nothing um, weird about this at all. Just definitely a regular <laughs> podcast recording. <laughs> well, we'll talk about all of that. But first, we'll keep it normal and, and ask the question we ask everybody, which is, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? I'm, I honestly feel like I have 40,000 answers for this question, but I would say like if we're going to stick to a food angle for this question, which I feel like, you know, I could do, um, yeah. avocados. Avocados are just oh. like an absolute trash food to me. <laughs> All right. So any recipe of yours that includes avocado, we know needs to be taken. There, there, where I mean, find me the receipts. There aren't any. There's like one <laughs> recipe in dining in that like the recipe is literally take an avocado, squeeze lemon on it and put like a CD mix on it and eat it out of the shell like a bowl, like a bread bowl. Uh And that to me is like the one time where I think, okay, I could do this, but it's never anything that I would want. I certainly wouldn't pay extra for it. Like you maniacs, it's really (laughs) wild. (laughs) I think I'm probably a a late bloomer on the avocado train my parents still don't really know what guacamole is so like yeah. i was i was raised very midwestern yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like that's fine and i i feel like they're not missing out so you can tell them that i think that they're fine for not you know embracing avocado guacamole lifestyle was there a point where you just like have had enough of avocados or have you always been anti-avocado 
I mean, I did grow up in California. I grew up in Southern California, LA specifically. Uh So you can imagine it's sort of like the epicenter of avocado fanfare in the United States. And I feel like maybe because they were always available and I never felt them to be special or something that I, again, would pay extra for or covet in any way. It was just kind of like, why is this soft, generally flavorless food on top of my other stuff? Like, get it out of my rice, get it out of my sandwich, get it out. Like, it seemed to always take away from rather than add. Right, right. All right. There have been there have been other people who have mentioned avocados. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Great. That is one of those like controversial things where it's like generally beloved, but yeah. the people who don't like it like really don't like it. Yeah, it's not like a cilantro thing where it's like an offensive flavor to me. It's more just I I do not understand why people are willing to go through such intense distances and expenses to get avocado in their life. Like if I have to hear one more person complain that they like went to Trader Joe's and the avocados were overripe or they were underripe, like what gives? I'm like, maybe we should be eating less avocados. Maybe <laughs> avocados are meant to be eaten when you live adjacent to an avocado tree and and it is ripe when it's ripe and you can eat it where when you're supposed to eat it. But I feel like our reliance on it as this ingredient to make all of our food better is like pretty soul crushing to watch go down in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you had you said you had a uh, forty thousand of these. So, I mean, we could like we could go down the list <laughs> if there was any well, others. I feel like I feel like mo- like some of them are like maybe too spicy, like even for me. And I feel like I would get a lot of kickback. People will come at me. I'm, I'm scared. Like, are you offering me any sort of insurance policy against like the vitriol that could be spouted? I would say that this podcast is uh, a safe space. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, you know, controversial, contrarian opinions are are welcome here. So, oh my God, I'm going to regret this. Yesterday, the internet was abuzz um, with Ina Garten's, like, Marti- Cosmo video. And she, it's, like, at, like, nine in the morning, like, made this hilarious mixed drink. It had, like, orange liqueur in it. And she drank it out of a comically oversized martini glass. And everyone's just like, oh, my God, like our quarantine queen. I'm like, bitch, you just showed up. You where have you been for the past few weeks? You've given us nothing. You have given us no content. I think that like the thing that I generally feel like skittish about is when is like that celebrity culture of like now I think we're realizing like what are celebrities doing? Right. It's like a lot of crickets out there. You know, so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> my my definition of who we are like marching to the guillotines the second this is over is like now anybody who has more than like a thousand square feet uh, to walk around in right now. <laughs> so they gotta go. <laughs> I yeah, people who are posting photos with like pools. Or like stairs. Uh, frankly, <laughs> if you have stairs, <laughs> you draw you're the done. line. You draw the line at staircase. I totally get that. Yeah, I mean, outdoor space. You're dead to me. Right. Uh, no, I did see everybody posting that Ina video, but I did see she also posted a photo of her like uh, pantry, and people were like, uh, "Those are definitely just instant ramen noodles that regular Ina would not be caught dead with." So what what is happening? I think that being transparent from that from like the beginning is the way to go of of, of saying yeah, not every night is store bought is fine. That's a inside Ina joke, right? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, good for her. I, treat yourself, Ina. Ramen noodles are one of uh, life's simple pleasures. Also, who's filming those videos, Ina? You know, do you, are there people at your house? <laughs> 
Are you quarantining? <laughs> she definitely doesn't know how to set up a set up a video camera. Yeah. Are you making your social media assistant come in? Or do they live on the premises? Like I have a lot of questions. Yeah. I'm glad this is you like two weeks in, but week five, you're going to be <laughs> oh, week five. leading the march. Yeah, I've like already like, you know, gotten my like domain name, I'm a true thing 2020. I'm going to go full blown like anarchist sort of website style. I do love the fact that alisonroman.com is a child's website. Yeah, yeah. So the only reason that like my Instagram handle and my website are Allison E. Roman is because AllisonRoman.com has been taken for so long. It, it's it, so twelve uh-huh. years ago. It, it's been that same homepage for twelve years, probably more. And so I I had to get Allison E Roman. But what's funny about that is that now people think some people think that my name is Allison with an E at the end, uh-huh. like Allison. I, I don't. It's like I'm like well no, that's like my middle <laughs> initial and you know da 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 da. But but yeah, the AllisonRoman.com yeah. site is hilarious. They're Canadian, I think, because I did try to to buy the website from them. Yeah, I guess if that was 12 years ago that you first uh, discovered it, like the, the child whose website it is is now an adult. Yeah, I have to assume that their parents bought it for them, didn't think it through, right. like reserved it, threw up a picture and then forgot about it. Yeah, I do. It's just like the perfect uh, image of like what you would not expect when you would go to uh, that website. And um, yeah, people are confused. Yeah, I stand with you in this fight. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, how has your pandemic been going? It's been okay. It's been like a real roller coaster of emotion. Uh, I'm sure people can relate. But I, so I was supposed to be in Australia during this time. Uh-huh. And so I had already arranged a house sitter who needed a place to stay while they were waiting for their construction on a housing project. And I said, okay, well, I'll go up to Hudson and stay with my two friends and I'll just like make like a fun little staycation out of it and I'll get some writing done and, you know, we'll we'll make some meals together. We'll go on a hike. Like, won't we be fun and free? And I picked them up from the airport like 16 days ago and I said, okay, well, I have like enough clothes in my, you know, to last maybe a week and like maybe the next day it was like, oh, we are probably going to be here for a, a long time. And it became, they, right. things just happened really quickly around that time. So what was supposed to be just like a fun little friend trip is now like you're in prison <laughs> forever. Um, but we are having a really good time. And I think that because I live alone, normally I live in Brooklyn alone with my cat, which I love. It's kind of nice to be going through this with two people that I love. And they're really positive people and we are having a really good time. So I think it's the best case scenario for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I've gone back and forth on whether having like roommates in this situation would make it better or worse for me personally. Yeah, I think it depends (laughs) if you like your roommates or not. Like there are people that I have lived with in the past that I would consider like roommates, you know, like a Craigslist situation or something. And this would be literally hell to be stuck with them right now. But these are people I actually really love. So it feels good. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, do you feel like you are getting way more, um, it seems like it must be busy, like in terms of people coming to you for advice and like seeking out cooking more? Yeah, it is. It's been like a really, really busy time. I think that like the increase in queries has been insane. And what I've noticed is that it's a lot from people who've never cooked before, which is like really a trip. And you, you kind of realize like what people don't know 
and from people that are for the first time having to make meals for themselves, which is wild. Yeah. Uh, are you I, are you in that, camp? in that camp? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to I didn't want to assume, but I sort of felt like you might be. <laughs> no, it's a safe assumption. What's your what's your journey been like? Like what's your cooking journey uh the past 2 weeks been like? Well, I am typically a like seamless queen. I I have gone 3 for 3 in meals ordered in in a given day. Wow. Um yeah, yeah, regularly. It's not an infrequent occurrence. Um and I still have been ordering, but it's just like such an ordeal. I treat everything that comes into my apartment like it's going through like a full decontamination chamber. Yeah. Each like little container of rice gets like a little hazmat suit and it yeah. Right. I get it. Right. But yeah, I mean, I think over the past like year and a half, I've started, I'm much more comfortable about cooking breakfast. That seems like some good oatmeal, not in the microwave, like stovetop. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. It's getting real, (laughs) real crazy over here. Real homesteader over there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm still back to like Little House on the Prairie basics of like, we're, we're firing up the stove and cooking oats. There's a live flame happening, which is like, honestly... I think the first and best step you could make. So I'm proud of you for one. But it is, I think cooking like a meal, it seems to me is still like, it's hard to get past the, the like anxiety of like, Oh my God, I have to cook an entire meal. Mm-hmm. Like a thing that you, you feel like, okay, it's scary to you to feel like you are going to be sustained and full and like satiated by something that you're going to make in your own home. <laughs> You're like, how will this happen that feels impossible? Or you mean like creatively speaking? I mean, I'm a type of person where like I just get easily overwhelmed by steps. Like if (laughs) the number of steps is more than like press order Mm. and then go retrieve order, it's it's a lot. Yeah. Um, But I do think I'm warming up to the idea, A, out of necessity and B, out of... Cooking is therapeutic. I feel like, you know, people are doing that. You say, I feel like you're <laughs> you saying laugh. that and you're like, yeah, no, I mean, it's great. It's therapeutic. I love it. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I can't wait to fire up the old stove. Like, it's okay if you don't feel that way. And especially right now and people are like, you know, I've been thinking about making my own sourdough. You're like, well, that's cool. Like, good for you. But at the same time, like for me, I'm like, I would, I don't want to make my own sourdough. It's like not a project I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I think to, to embrace this part of you is great. That is just the encouragement or discouragement that I needed. <laughs> so thank you. You're welcome. Uh, sourdough starters seem to be one of the like three things that people have really leaned into. Like homemade bread, I guess, is just having a moment. It really is. People are like, well, you know, finally have that time to like, do the old sourdough that I've always wanted. And I think that that's like one of the things where the expectation versus reality is always going to be like a bit crushing. Yeah. I had that realization. I don't love cooking meat in my house. I'm not a vegetarian, but I just like don't love handling raw meat. Yeah, uh, I get it. That's one of those things. Yeah. That I'm like, you know what? Other people know how to do this. I'll I'll just get it from them. Yeah. And so I made this like vegetarian tikka masala thing. And as like the whitest person ever, <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Like that is Indian food is one of those things that like I will never make as good as um someone who actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. I feel there's like a long list of those types of foods where I'm like, 
You know what? I'll right. leave it to you, to someone else who's like <laughs> dedicated, who does it well, who's a professional, who knows what they're talking about. And I'll do some other stuff. Yeah, I did uh, nearly set my kitchen on fire making pancakes in a cast iron skillet. But the the good news about uh, having a pandemic that has mostly emptied New York City is that I was able to open my windows to let the smoke out. Yeah. I typically don't open my windows because of the just amount of pollution that is directly outside <laughs> of it. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, trade off. Yeah. I'm afraid of like a bird flying into my apartment, which has never happened. But I feel like there. I have one window that uh, doesn't have a screen on it in my kitchen. Yeah. And it, the idea that a bird would just like accidentally find its way into my home is... Uh, top five nightmares, honestly. That has happened to me with uh, Squirrel. Oh, no. No, no, no. Yeah. It was it was a mistake, and I learned my lesson early, but that probably colored my uh, experience of cooking in New York City. Because mm-hmm. I was, you know. I woke up one morning, and there was a squirrel in my bedroom. Uh, I have a cat, and uh-huh. it would, like, hang out on the fire escape. And one morning, I woke up, and the squirrel was half in my bedroom like it had because the window was open like maybe two inches like not very much and its head had popped under and it's half its body was in my physical bedroom (laughs) I like bleached everything for five days I could not I I was just horrified I was like at first kind of delighted and then horrified yeah that is the thing about all of this that I I worry about is that the wildlife in New York is going to get way too cocky and (laughs) like the few times that I've gone out to have my like apocalypse walks around around the empty city, mm-hmm. like the rats are getting a little too bold. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, we need to go out and scare them every day. Yeah, I think that, that there's like a flip side to that where like when this all first went down, I was like, maybe our Earth will like heal itself and regenerate and like all this stuff. And then I'm hearing the same reports from New York of people being like, oh, the rats are like walking around with like briefcases and like setting up home offices, like, (laughs) you know, everywhere and they must be stopped. So I get that. There's two sides to every coin. Yeah. What was your, I, so I actually don't know your like full background story your mm. your origin story. I know you said you, you grew up in California. Yeah, in L.A. And did you always w- want to get into food? Um, yeah, not in this capacity necessarily. And I wasn't I didn't think that this is what I would do for my job. But yeah, I grew up in L.A. and my parents cooked. It wasn't like every Sunday we gathered around the table and had like a romantic, you know, 18 course Sunday supper, but it was like, (laughs) yeah, they cooked food. We also ordered Domino's pizza and like noodles. And, you know, we, it was a a wide variety of dining options, but I went to college and then decided to leave college to go work in a restaurant because I, it was sort of where my focus was at that time. And I had been reading a lot of cookbooks and cooking for myself and thought, okay, I really love this. I love learning about cooking. I love learning about food. I love talking about food and thought that working in a restaurant would provide some clarity on like whether or not that was a path that I wanted to go down and, you know, figured if I wanted to go back to school, I would. And then I just never did. So I left college, started working in restaurants and then worked in restaurants for many years, like six or seven years um, in LA and then in San Francisco and then in New York. So moving to New York was sort of like my move to get out of restaurants. And I thought, okay, well, I really want to stay in food, but I don't want to work in a restaurant because also at that time I realized I didn't want to own my own restaurant. I didn't want to, and I certainly didn't want to work for somebody else anymore. So moved to New York, 
I started working at Milk Bar and this was like right when they first opened. So it was still a really small bakery and, um, you know, just like a different world, different vibe. And it was great. And I worked there for about a year and a half and, but was like, okay, that's not why you moved to New York. You moved to New York to do something else in food that's not working in a restaurant. And even though it was a bakery, it was restaurant bakery. Same, Mm. same. Yeah. So that was that. And then I started working at Bon Appetit as a recipe tester and then became an editor full time and worked there for about four years. And then I left and that's where I met you at BuzzFeed, where I was for like a bit, like eight months or so, and then left and then started working on my cookbooks. And then about a year after that, I became a columnist at the New York Times. Yeah, I I didn't realize you were there at BuzzFeed for so so few months. Yeah, it was like a pretty short stint. I feel like it was an interesting time for the company. I think you had actually left right before I did. Yeah, that's why. I mean, I I, so I remember. You know. <laughs> yeah, and this may sound weird to outside people. Um, I don't know how exactly to frame this, but this is is also going to be a slight at BuzzFeed. <laughs> don't sue me. <laughs> I don't know. There was always this mentality of like, it is the company that is promoting you and your work. And like, we can kind of like shine the spotlight wherever. And to see like your stuff go viral and like be so successful and like, I don't know, it makes me feel like, fuck them. (laughs) Yeah, I feel the same way about you. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I think that that's like, I mean, you had a, it was sort of a, almost the opposite for you because you were really successful there. Like you thrived there, but ultimately it stopped being, you know, mutually advantageous, I'm guessing, or you just kind of wanted to experience what it would be like to do stuff on your own, which is more similar to like my path at Bon Appetit where it was great and mm-hmm. I loved it there and I, I felt very successful, but ultimately I just felt like I had run my course and like I wasn't going to be able to grow in the way that I wanted to. Whereas my work at BuzzFeed, like I, I wasn't good at my job there. And like the stuff that I was doing, like, not only was I not that into it, but no one else seemed to like it either. And I was just like, wait, this is, this feels bad. And, you know, I was like, well, should I leave just because I'm not good at something? Or does that feel defeatist? Or am I running away from something? And I was like, no, I just think that it's not, we're not speaking the same language. And so it felt, it felt good to like get my own footing on by myself to be like, no, I am good. I'm just good at something different. Right, right. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it's always... We're being very diplomatic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, about some of the the recipes, I guess, that have gone more viral. Well, I I remember the first first recipe of yours that I saw everybody posting about was the shortbread chocolate chip cookies. For sure. That was definitely the first one. And that came out in 2017 when Dining In, which was my first cookbook, came out. So that recipe was originally published there. And then from then kind of got republished by the New York Times and Bon Appetit and Spin Kitchen and like all these other sites because everyone was like, oh my God, everyone's making this thing. And it was sort of the first time that I feel like that had happened. And I, the only reason I'm guessing yeah. that is because I, I pay attention to a lot of that stuff, whether it's mine or not. But, you know, never had I experienced that from either anyone else or myself. And I think it was just kind of like this perfect storm of like the way people were starting to use Instagram and, you know, it, it was just like the first of its kind. And like, I think that sort of allowed other things like this, like the chickpea stew to happen. 
Um, mm-hmm. Every time I talk about this stuff, I feel like I'm in like a parody documentary where I'm like talking about something so <laughs> fucking dumb. I'm like, yeah, you know, I remember, I remember the first time I saw those cookies. Uh, it was uh, late 2017, and I just knew that I had something special on my hands. Yeah, like no, it, I, it feels like <laughs> I'm like being so like. I want you to know and everyone listening to it, like, I know how absurd it is to talk about like recipes. Like they're like this massive achievement. Like it's done. It's food. It's a recipe, whatever. But I do, you know, <laughs> I've talked about it so much that now I sort of leave my body when I do. <laughs> right. But, no, but it was still I definitely cool. get that. Cool. I attempted the, the shortbread chocolate chip cookies once. Oh, how'd that go? <laughs> and, uh, not great. Yeah. I mean, I've been getting into baking in general more. I think there's something about baking, that I differentiate from just like straight up cooking that it's like, it's very exact. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, that is whatever side of the brain is my like analytical side is like likes to measure out ingredients in very like specific. It's, it's simple to me. Yeah. So um, there's less room for yeah, error. I, if someone's just like telling you what to do, I feel like, but if I think if you approach regular recipes in the same way if you're like okay i'm following the recipe someone's telling me what to do maybe you'll find yourself like feeling similarly relaxed right we'll we'll get there okay i feel like i I feel like responsible now for like the your well-being through this and i want to send you like a care (laughs) package of of like matt you know level recipes i i i think i am doing fine feeding myself you're like i'm fine i don't need your help (laughs) (laughs) That's I just don't want you to be too worried. No, no, no. Uh, Yeah. I do know you have some some strong food opinions that I've that I've read and and heard about Mm. where you have a no red bell pepper rule. Is that true? Yeah, I think they're disgusting. I think that they're gross every way. Like they're gross raw. They're gross roasted. They're they're gross. Like if it's in a food, I can tell. Like if someone's blending it into something else. I'm like, is there bell pepper in this? Like, don't try and hide that from me. Um, I don't like sweet foods. Like, it's not that I don't like dessert. It's that I don't like foods that are naturally sweet. Like, like a bread bell pepper to me is like, it's creepily sweet. I'm like, are you, I don't know. Like, I love fruit. Red bell pepper to me just has like this flavor that I can't even articulate. I just think it's, it's gross to me. Uh-huh. Do you feel like, I, were you always like a dessert person? No, I was never a dessert person. I was a pastry chef for a really long time when I worked in restaurants, right. but I wasn't ever, I, the only reason I was a pastry chef was because I, the job opening at the restaurant I wanted to work at was in the pastry department. I see. No fat or low fat coconut milk. And I know that is your other... It's just, it's not for me. I feel like if if I write a recipe using low fat coconut milk, it's going to be different. Because I'll probably compensate for the lack of fat and I'll make it a different dish entirely. But if I write a recipe using full-fat coconut milk, which is, for the record, regular coconut milk. It's not labeled full-fat. It's just called coconut milk. Like, if you do something with no fat or low fat, you're you're messing with the whole thing. It's watery. It kind of separates. It gets a little grainy. It's like an inferior product, I think. I'd rather not use coconut milk at all than use low-fat coconut milk. Yeah, that was the other. I, I didn't realize that like full fat coconut milk was just normal coconut milk. Yeah. And I was standing in the grocery store like, where the fuck <laughs> is the full fat <laughs> coconut milk? Give me the Hundo P <laughs> coconut milk. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. like weird labeling grocery stuff. Like buttermilk is always labeled light or low fat, but that's the only okay. kind they sell. So people are always like, I could only find low fat. I'm like, that's the only kind that exists. Everybody chill. You know, I, I answer the same questions a hundred times because there's no place 
for the information to live. Like I can save it to an Instagram story. I could put it in a 24-hour story. I could put it in an Instagram post. I could put it in a physical book. I could put it in an article for the newspaper of record. And it it doesn't matter because no one's like thinking of a question and then like figuring out where to find the answer to that question. So it's like, then they just ask me the question. So it's like, right, how right. long does the shallot paste from the caramelized shallot pasta last? That's probably the number one question I've been answering lately. Or I've had it in the fridge for a month. Is it still good? The answer is yes. It lasts for at least six weeks for anyone listening. All right. Now they know. <laughs> um, well, we're just about out of time. Um, but I think you've you've inspired me to uh, maybe take a second stab at burning my kitchen down. We'll see. I mean, it sounds like you're practicing safe cooking, and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I hope you don't go too crazy with answering the same questions over and over. No, and I, I think it's sanity. great, and I'm happy to answer them. I'm just like, where can I put these answers that people will ref- like find them easily? But I, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm a real Luddite. I don't know how to use technology to my advantage. <laughs> well, we all have nothing but time That's to figure true. everything out. I'm going to figure out. it out. I'm going to crack that code. Okay. Well, before I let you go, where can people find you and your work? Um, people can find me on the World Wide Web, allisoneroman.com. And that's just kind of like a general database of the recipes that live online from the years that I've been creating them. Um, and then at Allison E. Roman on Instagram and also Twitter. And then I have two cookbooks, Nothing Fancy and Dining In. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we can do something in person when this is all over. Yeah. I can't wait to, to hug a warm body in the future. All right. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier, starting with the TV we've been watching. Barry, what you've been watching? So I started watching This Country, which is on Hulu. It's a BBC program. And I started watching it because Phoebe Waller-Bridge was doing a Script Notes, the podcast, live panel on YouTube, which you can still watch. It's with Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Ryan Reynolds talking about breaking the fourth wall. But at the end of Script Notes, they do a very similar thing that we do, which is they talk about like one good thing or one cool thing. I forget what the segment is called. And where you talk about something from that week that you really liked and Phoebe picked this country so obviously if she says that she likes something I immediately go and do it um and so we started watching this country and it's so funny it's just like a half hour sitcom and it's a mockumentary following two cousins in real life their brother and sister uh living in like a rural northern England village and just like about their lives and it's so funny and so silly and just like a complete escape from everything <laughs> that we're dealing with right now. Um and I'm absolutely loving it. So that is what I'm watching. I'll check it out. I love a good British sitcom. Mm-hmm. What about you? What are you watching? Uh I'm still watching Westworld. I finally caught up to the current third season, which is weird as fuck. The show <sighs> I don't know. I like it, but I'm so confused by absolutely everything, which feels very um, prescient. Uh, So I'm watching Westworld and Arrested Development still from last week, but also have been starting to watch the Kids Baking Championship because (laughs) I typically I I watched all the the Baking Championship is like an American version of a Baking Championship, which is like very intense, very graphic, heavy. It's like the opposite of the Great British Bake Off. Everybody right. is like racing around. You have like 20 minutes to make a cake out of like a gun. Um, 
So I watched all the like adult one a while ago, but uh, I I feel like I typically resist like kid championships because it makes me too sad. It's like too pure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, every time they get like sent home, it, they all like support one another, and it's like okay, this is a little too genuine. Uh, I need some <laughs> cynicism in my life, but I have been, I was like, you know what? Everything is fucked. So this is like a nice heartwarming, fun thing to watch. Uh, and I love baking shows. So I've been watching that. Another shout out to a- an old classic SpongeBob SquarePants. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, may or may not have eaten a little bit of an edible this week. And, um, you know, what is great high content is watching SpongeBob. Amen. What a journey. Really holds up. Anyway, so Kids Baking Championship and Spongebob. Uh, I'm an adult man. (laughs) Uh, What is your non-TV chaser? Um, I know I've already brought this up several times, but in case it's not obvious, I'm very excited about my magnetic spice drawers. (laughs) So (laughs) um, what I'm going to do after this recording is go and organize my spices into a bunch of magnetic spice drawers. And put them on the side of my fridge. And I'm so freaking excited. It's one of those things that like in every New York apartment I've lived in, the spice situation is always horrid. And it's always something that I put off. But once we moved in here, I was like, well, I can only really order things. I can't go to a store. What else am I doing with my time? And so I finally pulled the trigger and I got it from a place called Nice Spice, but spelled G-N-E-I-S-S because it's a it's a rock. And I, I have yet to try it out, but there are these like really cute hexagonal spice jars and like it's just going to look so nice and be so organized. And uh, that really makes me happy. So I also got a pegboard to put up um, to put up in the kitchen to like hang pots and pans. Uh, I'm just I'm just very excited about kitchen organization in general. And it's making me very happy in these wild times. Nice. What is your chaser? I also got some some new little prep bowls for Ooh. for cooking that I realize uh, is it makes me feel a little ridiculous to like put all of my my ingredients in a different thing uh, before I I start making something because I'm just combining them all anyway. But it, I think there's some French term for uh, when you like prepare all of your ingredients and have them all like laid out and ready. I don't know how to say it in French. Mise en place. Ah. Anyway, that is not my chaser, but it's related to my chaser. My chaser is also something that I'm going to be doing right after we finish recording, which is uh, I'm posting a video for the first time in a while. And it's a new little series that I'm uh, going to be posting on Instagram called Bitch and Baking. Yay! Oh, I'm so excited that this is finally going to be out in the world. Yeah. Everybody knows. Everybody uh, who listens to the podcast knows that I love baking. Uh, and I decided to be gay during quarantine and do the thing that all of the gays have been doing, which is using my fucking kitchen and forcing people to watch me uh, bake something. So um, my first episode will be me making a carrot cake for Easter. Ooh, look at you, topical. Yeah, it was very good. Um but yeah, it's fun. I, I think in general, you know, we were texting about this. It's been hard, I think, in quarantine for me to feel like I have to be super productive and like put out content. And and it's a weird feeling to be in the kind of like entertainment industry and to be someone that like typically people do look to to kind of like bring them lightness in their in their day when when things aren't going so well 
Yeah. Um, but it's hard to do that when it's like you are also living through the thing that is making everybody else feel crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been tough to kind of like, yeah, keep myself feeling like, ugh, I, I feel this pressure to like put stuff out. Um, and I think I've been trying to be like, I don't have to go crazy and like be writing the next great American novel. Um, you know, even just putting this podcast out every week is like, it takes a lot of work. Um, Heck yeah. and, and that is something that like brings joy to people and is a good thing to do and is, um, something that keeps me productive. Anyway, that's my long way of saying that like, yeah, it took a, it took a little while to get going on actually like doing something, uh, so that is the the baking show. It will be a little product of my of my quarantine productivity. I love it. I can't wait to watch it. Well, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Bellisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, bye bye. I don't even know what that song is. <laughs> <laughs>